This episode of the Brutally Speaking podcast is sponsored by Bespoke Post. Bespoke Post is themed boxes for people who give a damn. A personalized mix of unique products that offer a whole lot of bang for your buck. You can join today for free by taking their online quiz that helps them get to know you and the things you do and don't like, as this will help them design your first box. You can preview your box and decide if you want to keep it, swap it, or skip it. With Bespoke Post, you're always in control, and there's zero commitment. Boxes cost only $45, but are worth over $70, so you're always getting a great value. You'll receive your box and be introduced to new and exciting options monthly, with selections being improved based on your specific feedback. So what are you waiting for? for head over to bespokepost.com and sign up for your first box of awesome today so thank you to bespoke post for sponsoring this episode and now on to the show what's up everyone john here and i've got to tell you guys all about this band martyr for madison hailing from right here in my hometown of grand rapids michigan check out their latest single a better place off their upcoming ep nearsighted which will be available everywhere may 8th are live right now over at distrokid.com or pre-save on your preferred streaming service this is a better place by martyr for madison off their nearsighted ep coming at you may 8th so pre-order it today what's up everybody welcome to another episode of the brutally speaking podcast i am one of your hosts john and with me as always is daniel terry how are you doing i'm good man It's, uh, it's a little cold in here Oh, I think it just got wicked with that uh, pun you just dropped. I mean, you don't have to be such a stupid girl, John. Oh, you know, is it the long hair? Is that why you call me a girl? I mean, it probably is. I mean, all I have to say is if you had parents, they wouldn't let you look like like you look. <sighs> yeah, that's just a smattering of uh, some of the things you can get uh, from this interview with our guest, uh, Lindsay Manfredi. Uh, not Manfredi, like I thought it was initially. It's Italian, John. It's Italian. Yeah, you know, I, you know, it's funny, and I know I left this in there, um, but, you know, Dan will attest sometimes, the East Coast Midwest in me, uh, really, usually I'm pretty good, and I'm able to get people's pronunciations of their names correct, and this is one where my, uh, my East Coast, uh, in me really wanted to say Manfredi, and boy was I fucking wrong. But, uh, no, uh, Lindsay Manfredi of Cold, uh, the this is a fun one. Um, we were supposed to talk to Scooter perhaps uh, for a while, right when this new record uh, was on the brink of coming out, and just couldn't line up schedules. Then it was a let's do it at a tour, and then the you know that didn't pan out, and you know just a lot of uh, false starts basically, and getting something lined up. And so finally, when we got Lindsay, I, w- I was pretty stoked. Uh, ended up hitting her up on uh, Instagram the night before, and was just like, "Hey, like you know, I'm really interested to talk to you." Like is there anything, you know, that you haven't gotten to talk about that you'd like to? And, you know, when she talked about that she has a new book uh, that she's finishing that's going to be coming out soon, uh, you know, obviously the candle line that she does uh, for cold candles and so forth, um, it just was one of those things where I was like, man, there's so much cool shit to talk about. And, you know, beyond cold, because those are kind of more fun things to talk about when you're able to discuss more than just, all right, here's your record or here's the thing you're here to talk about. Like, I always feel like it's cooler to get to know somebody through doing these. I mean, that's the whole point of a long form interview, right? Well, yeah. And like, I mean, 
to be to be perfectly honest, what what fun things are you going to talk about about Cold? Cold is not a fun band in the sense, like subject matter wise. No, no. So like, if you're gonna if you're gonna get into all that, then it's like this interview could get really, really, really dark really fast. Yes. But thankfully, we didn't have that. We're good. No, I, and that was kind of the thing too. Is you know, I think we talked enough about you know the new record, uh, her involvement in the band, but you know, at that point when. We kind of, I felt hit on it enough. I kind of enjoyed like hearing how she got in the band, going all the way back to being a member of the Cold Army, getting the spider tattoo, you know, being a fan of the band. Like, how often do we hear of people who are competent musicians being in bands that they grew up loving? Well, I mean, that is the used interview. That, I'm sorry, I'm just being mean. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, you don't hear it too often, especially going back that far. Um, where it's like, I'm a huge fan of this band, but I'm kind of off doing my own thing here on the side or not on the side, but like as a main thing. And then for them to, to kind of become familiar with each other over time, um, it seemed like it was a good fit. And, um, and yeah, I think it's funny too, because I feel like she was like very, very, very upbeat. Yeah. Um, for being in that band, I judge every band by their lyrical content. So like, it's one of those, like, I didn't expect somebody that upbeat to be in cold, to be honest. I, I kind of thought that like, they just hang out and talk about thing about the way things should have been, uh, <laughs> that sort of stuff. Uh, not bashing on cold. I mean, they, they definitely have their appeal. They obviously have their own army. So like, even if I did want to say something bad, like I probably wouldn't get away with it. Um, but I think, uh, I think it's cool all, all the kind of kind of all the side stuff that she had going on too with the book and all of that, which is stuff that I didn't think that I cared about. But after she kind of went in, like I love the title of the book, um, and I love just the the ideas behind you know like the candles and, and stuff like that. Like that stuff actually really interested me. And going in, I didn't think there was going to be a whole lot to interest me. So uh, I guess what I'm trying to say, John, is is, is good job uh, to her and to you for for having a conversation that the rest of us can get into without really having anything any any real expectations. You know, ordinarily I would counter some of those things with you, but I. Honestly, think that's a really good way to uh, preface this chat. So, fuck it. Let's just get into my conversation with Lindsay Manfredi, and uh, we'll talk to you on the other side of it. So, I have the pleasure of talking to Lindsay Manfredi. Uh, Man Manfredi. Freedy? Ah, see, okay. That's, talk, yeah, it's Manfredi. You'll appreciate this, because I know you're out in the East, or out on the West Coast, but you live, I think, from Indiana. Is that where I saw it was? Indiana? Yeah, I'm from Indiana, yeah, but I live in California now. Okay, so I'm originally from the East Coast, but I live here in their Midwest, in Michigan. So, as I often... When I always do this, I'm like, the East Coast version of me wants to put the enunciation on the vowels... Uh, differently than the Midwest, so <laughs> yeah. it, it causes quite the confliction. And this is the first time my instinct has been wrong with how to pronounce the last name. Uh, in the East Coast version, got the best of me. <laughs> it's all good. I mean, everybody says Manfredi because it looks like Manfredi, but you know, it's Italian and it's Manfredi. But it's okay. I I get Manfredi all the time. Fair enough. Um, so apologies on that. But uh, you know, I kind of want to start off talking about the latest single, "Quiet Now" by Cold. Um. You know, I've really been thinking about just, you know, how I've been seeing it everywhere and how 
un unintentionally this single has kind of really encapsulated everything we're going through right now and i couldn't help but make a weird parallel between how pod's youth of the nation kind of became the anthem for post 9 11 and i feel like this song with cold is kind of now sort of becoming this anthem for the pandemic we're going through has have you kind of has anyone inferred that or has anyone kind of talked about how how this song feels so time appropriate for what we're going through right now Oh, absolutely. And that's why we decided we really needed to get it out and release the the video because it, it, everything is so quiet now. And it's tragic that we, you know, we were supposed to be on tour and all, you know, all of our peers had tours planned and everything has just been like canceled and we're all alone. And there are some people going through this quarantine aspect alone and it sucks. And we're hoping like music can at least get them through or, you know, speak to them in some ways so they know that they're not alone, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It was just, it's so weird. I think that was kind of, you know, sometimes I talk about my age kind of being a thing that makes me draw parallels or maybe there isn't one, but I just remember it's like, obviously, uh, (laughs) Satellite by P.O.D. had had come out before 9-11 and, you know, there had been a couple of singles before everything happened and then you know youth of the nation just happened to hit just as you know 9-11 kind of was happening you know right. really kind of catapulted that right. record and all that kind of stuff and you know in this day and age you know record sales aren't exactly what they used to be people aren't going to stores not that they can currently but people aren't going to stores and picking up you know physical copies anymore but you know i'm wondering if you guys are seeing like just a, a constant influx in streaming and you know upticks on the video and, and people sharing it and all that kind of stuff in you know, just kind of what the response has been, because I feel like now collectively you all are taking on maybe some of these tragic stories that people are encountering daily now. And you guys are kind of, I don't want to say being burdened with it, but you guys are kind of possibly having to take the weight of some of this, uh, these things now. Well, Cold has always been a very emotional band. So there's, I mean, we've been dealing with that you know since i've been in the band for six years we've been dealing with that but you know scooter you know from the beginning because he speaks to so many people and we are everything is slowly upticking and it's i mean it's a beautiful thing and in a tragedy you know but it's um scooter working with breaking benjamin um on far away and that just hit number one on the active rock charts this week finally um so everything is just kind of between that and quiet now coming out, but we have been getting lots of messages from fans um, about how it's just help kind of helping them get through this and hearing a lot of stories. I mean, I definitely talk to fans a lot more now and respond to them. And so does Scooter. It's a lot. It's interesting to me. I think this is the band's sixth single off of the record. So basically half the record is out now in a, a single form, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, we just released some on online, but yeah, it's probably a fifth or sixth. It's interesting now you, thinking, you know, a lot of records sometimes can't even, because of the ADA, ADAHD kind of nature of, of fans now, music fans and just people in general of constantly needing the new thing. It seems pretty interesting that, you know, this comeback record, as I'll kind of call it, for, for Cold has spawned so many singles that seem to be for you you know, landing with people. And it's always kind of interesting. Like when this record first came out, you know, a lot of people were like, Oh, cold. I missed them. I used to really like 13 ways to bleed on stage. You know, 
I've always said that, you know, Cold was kind of an underrated band. So with this kind of being, you know, you being in the band for the last six years, how does it feel to kind of be a part of the band kind of reemerging and getting back on a bigger scale where I kind of feel like the band has always deserved to be? Well, I think I've been a fan of the band for over 20 years. I, I'm actually my if you open it up, I'm my photos next to Jeremy Marshall's. And it's kind of ironic that's who I replaced in the band. Uh, so I've been a Cold Army member forever. And so the fact that I even get to be in this band and play with, you know, somebody I've always looked up to as a human being and as a songwriter, I mean, I'm, it blows my mind. The fact that I get to be with the fans who are so beautiful and so passionate, it's, it's really cool. And I'm happy that people are taking us a little bit more seriously because Scooter has always been such a brilliant storyteller and a songwriter. And we just want to keep on going. We're just going to keep doing it and keep being out there because it's been so long since we'd toured. And it took us three, I mean, it literally took Scooter three years to write this album. So there, I mean, he would have song ideas and throw them out and then come back to it. And just, you know, he was in a depression through it all and just, Everything came out super passionately, so I'm so excited that the fans are it's carrying over to the fans, and that's a blessing. But I mean, for me to answer your question, it's it's amazing. I I feel good about it, and I feel good to contribute to the fan base and to into the band. So how exactly did you end up meeting Scooter? I mean, I always find sort of these, and I'll use a movie reference, uh, like a meet cute kind of story. How did you end up? meeting Scooter initially and how did the relationship uh, form into having you eventually join the band? Okay, this is a, it's a long story, but I'll kind of keep it short. <clears throat> um, I first saw Cold back in probably 1999 during the Red Album. I happened to be doing uh, merchandise for Sprung Monkey during their um, Midwest tour, you know, get them out of here. They were from San Diego. Um, <laughs> but they did a show at the Metro in Chicago with um, Kid Rock and cold. So it was the, that those three on the bill. And that's when I saw cold for the first time. And I immediately knew that there was something different. I met everybody, but like we had a beer at, I don't know, Applebee's or some like little, I don't even know where it was, but, um, so then I just instantly became a fan. Well, I had moved to Florida cause I was a musician and I went with my then bassist at the time to start a band in Florida. And that's when 13 ways to bleed came out. And I was a body piercer, so I was in tattoo shops all the time. And I got the spider tattoo because I was just so in love with that album. And then, um, you know, two years later, they were, like, looking for fans to throw in their artwork. So oh, my yeah. sister took a photo. I remember that. Um, and I was, on their, I was on their street team, so I would, like, get cassette tapes mailed to me. <laughs> it's, so, it's so crazy, like, the, the whole history of it all and how far we've come. Um, so, you know, no one was – or no, no – I don't remember what it was, but I, I made it into the album year of the spider. So that was a really exciting thing. So fast forward, I um, went to college. I was still playing in bands or whatever. I started playing the bass cause I got married then I got divorced and I was still playing the bass. Um, I was on tour with a band called picture. Yes. Who was opening up for saving able and we did a couple legs with them. So I was basically in a van um, across the United States, twice, <laughs> which is a good time with a bunch of dudes. Um, Anyway, so somebody kept, like, so a cold fan saw my cold spider. Uh, I was playing bass, of course, and they were sending it to Scooter saying, you should really check this girl out. She's a great bassist. And she got cold spider. You know, so Scooter did some research. Um, and I had co-founded Girls Rock Indianapolis um, years before. 
And I did a TED talk on it. And so Scooter was basically like, well, we've been stalking you. I watched your TED talk. Um, we'd like for you to join us. And I was like, fuck yeah. I remember he was like, do you have a husband or anybody you need to talk to? And I was like, nope, I'm in. And that was, you know, 2014. So October 14th, 2014. It's crazy. That's pretty wild. I mean, you're hitting on so many things that I don't know are still prevalent anymore. Like, you know, it's funny you talk about getting tapes and stuff like that as being a part of a street team. You know, I remember street teams and kind of the perks you would get. So you would get preemptively excited about these releases. So you would be back in the days of tape trading or mixed CDs when you would make them for friends and so forth. And I just feel like that's kind of a lost art as well as kind of rewarding the longtime fans for support, supporting you. Um, I don't remember if I ever officially joined like the cold army street team kind of thing, but I know I did for Papa Roach and there's still a shit ton of stuff I have back at my parents' house from when I was getting posters to put up around town (laughs) and all these kind of things. I'm like, man, these Mm -hmm. guys are idiots because I would just share this anyway, but they're giving it to me for free. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I wouldn't give it to all of my friends. It's like, here you go, here you go, check this out. And I think that it might have been either Roadrunner back then or Interscope that that they were a part of that I was a part of because it wasn't just cold. Um, But... I was mainly cold because that was my jam. That's the whole reason why I signed up to be on the street team for that particular label. I believe it was Interscope. Yeah, I think think it was Flip Interscope at the time. Yeah, 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 because Jane Jensen was also on Flip, and that's how we got her, you know. We're from from Indianapolis, and Jane sang on the new record with On Beautiful Life, and Scooter and Jane knew each other from Flip back then. Yeah, it's kind of weird when you start thinking of some of these old labels, like, you know, names like Jordan Schur, which maybe to people now doesn't mean anything, (laughs) but you're like, oh, man, I saw that dude's name on, like, fucking everything (laughs) I was buying back in the day. Yeah. (laughs) I just jumped over my beer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Something else I kind of want to talk about as well, you know, kind of keeping it all in the cold army, cold family. Um, You've been putting out these candles uh, recently, which, you know, something that, you know, we were kind of talking about last night uh, preemptively. You know, I kind of was scrolling through your Instagram and saw these candles and I was like, oh, my God, these things look really cool. And, you know, I like candles and I love different weird candles. But, you know, as I was kind of saying to you last night, you know, where, you know, now the kind of trend has been, you know, as you have a Deftones beer and stuff like that, you know, bands creating beers and beers based on an album or a song or an event or something. And so it kind of gets to this fun thing of like, how do you correlate a band and or an album or song into a flavor profile of something? And I think with what you're doing with these candles, and I'll get to the question is, when you start making these candles... How do you know, do you have a, a smell or a scent in mind for a specific thing preemptively, or do you just kind of let the candle speak to you and then kind of go, oh, this reminds me of this, or how? kind of walk me through your process? Okay, well, my business partner and candle partner, Trisha Gesselman, she's the one, she's, she's like a witch. I mean, she puts all these, like, alchemist, chemists, like, with all the scents, so we'll just, like get some wine and we'll go into the studio and we'll mix all these scents together. And like, I pretty much, when we started the whole thing, it was cold and I was wanted to do this. And I just gotten back from tour and needed to do something. And she had started the business just a couple months prior. So, and she taught me how to make the candles and I was making candles with her before I even went on tour. So we got back and I was like, let's make a cold candle, something for the stands. Um, 
and so we were like, ooh, baby, it's cold outside because it was winter was beginning. So we just got the, so we started just got wicked winter. And so we wanted it to have like a pine, like clovey scent, just a, you know, like a, if you're walking in the woods. Right. And then we had snow blind. <clears throat> um, and we have, that's a very close sense. And so yeah, we, we kind of were like thinking of song titles and what that would, would look like. So with the new line, the spring line, we had Spider Human, which, oh my God, it's so good. And we call that magic. And that's a scent that we created and called magic. And then we have Karma, which is another scent that was created. And that's for Just Got Wicked. Um, and then we use like our main champagne and it's just such a great scent. It's one of our most popular ones. And spa for quiet now, which is kind of a calming smell that if you walk into a spa and you're going to get a massage, it just kind of has that like lavender, relaxing, a little vanilla in it. So yeah, we think about those things when we're like, okay, how would we feel if we were about to just get wicked? Like, <laughs> if we wanted to be quiet now. And so that it's fun. For or whatever song we're going to use for the candle. Is there much of a collaborative? It's been really receptive. I mean, sorry. Do what? No, I was just going to say, has it been much of a collaborative process with the rest of the band? Like maybe somebody else kind of going, like, oh, I, you know, maybe there's a memory of like recording something from the last, this latest record, and maybe there's a memory of like making it. And they're like, oh, I remember when we were recording this song, something about the room and this smell of, you know, maybe chai tea or something like that. Or, you know, just these kind of things where maybe like there's a little bit of input in, um, in that way. And I go back and forth. Yeah. Well, Scooter and I go back back and forth every day like he's the one member that I, we talk every day we were either texting or i i just keep mostly in touch with him because uh, nick's really busy with his stuff and i jai and i don't i rarely talk to sam we only talk on tour so it's just like but like, scooter's been like one of my best friends i've lived with him uh he's been one of my best friends so but he's the one I mainly talk to about ideas or sense or what it's like. And I sent him the whole first line and he, you know, they love them. And we, and the whole thing about our candles is we burn, we make them with coconut wax. So it's 1000% organic. There's nothing else in it except for coconut wax. And it burns a lot. It's just a um, candle. Yeah. It's just uh it's one of those things. Like, I feel like there's a lot of, you know, we don't talk a whole lot about other crap things, but I mean, that's kind of when I, you know, the name of our show is Brew, and, you know, I like good puns, so, like, the whole reason I came up with it was, like, you know, a lot of people, you know, so the funny story is when we were trying to come up with a new name, once the co-host and I were kind of like, we should change the name so it's not just me, Um, was my last name is Beatty, and he was like, oh, you make all the headlines, like, we should just call the show Click Beatty, and I was like, no, that's <laughs> that's a fucking terrible name. Uh, it's funny, and I get it, but, like... I was like, oh, we need to come up with something kind of punny and fun and like a double entendre of sorts. And, you know, something that has been reiterated to me time and time again is, you know, you just get people to kind of open up to you and, and act like, you know, they've known you for a long time. And I was like, well, I, I like having like real and brutally honest conversations. So like that was kind of my foreway into it a little bit was just kind of like brew brutally. And, you know, I was cutting out like my, my co-host and I talking about crap beer and such uh, all the time. So I was just like, oh, there it is. Like, well, how about we do this? And typically Typically, that is Perfect. the yeah. format that we kind of follow is more alcohol based. But, you know, I've been, you know, I've been making the joke. I really want to get more into like, you know, as I call it, craft tea where you're getting like loose leaf tea and you're buying it by, you know, in a bag and you got to actually make it. But I go, it just kind mm -hmm. of like it's dissuading a little bit when you see like, oh, I got to get this like steeper thing and it's like fucking $40. And then I get out, I get like a decent tea, tea kettle and like all this other shit. And you're like, 
man, I'm not trying to spend seventy fucking dollars just so I can have like a glass of tea every now and again. <laughs> but it's uh, right, right. it's one of those things like it's definitely something I want to get into. And I noticed like you know like a lot of these I'll call them luxury you know. Uh, I don't want I've been kind of calling them like spa-ish kind of spa-ish kind of products but like your your bath bombs like people who are hand creating soaps of all kinds and and candles using the different kinds of waxes and and you know scents and so forth it's like this whole scene and this market is kind of becoming a very craft DIY space and I think it's kind of interesting to see the growth in it over the last probably I'll say five six years and I've not really had an opportunity to talk about it but you know so I kind of wanted to to know like some of the things you've learned that maybe you have either applied from your your time in the music industry to be successful with this or vice versa something you've applied from doing this that maybe has you been able to apply into the band realm oh yeah well absolutely i mean i have a degree in communication and business so Mm, i've been a marketing person for you know 10 years i've had my own social media marketing company and i've been a ghostwriter so everything kind of correlates because ultimately I'm a, I'm a musician, but I'm also an entrepreneur. And so, you know, I've got a book that's coming out in the next month. We've got the candle company, Uh, you know, Gino and I are thinking about doing a podcast. There's just all kinds of things that I like to do everything and I can't keep still. (laughs) Same. The only thing that I've learned from the candle perspective goes into the band and the marketing and being with the band and it's 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 vice versa it just goes all all the ways because you have have that in both the music industry and this like luxury brand that we have what Trisha and I have learned as you know in the last year is you know how to smarter like be smarter with packing and with shipping and just like little things that as we go we're like we can do it that better and it's the same with with the bands always ways that we can mainstream things to make it easier if that's does that help answer your question no it does um something kind of about me like i come from mainly like food retail management like i'm not in that space anymore but i get really competitive and i'm really good with numbers so like a great show <laughs> uh that i love watching is like shark tank and i love when they kind of start getting down to the financials I love that show. and you know they're like oh this is what it costs me to make this this is what i sell it for here's my landed margins here's my you know overhead costs here's you know all these kind of things and i love that and i feel like a lot of people don't aren't number or driven by competitiveness of with yourself or whatever and i think in a lot of spaces like i'll you know definitely being a band like you have to know your dollars and cents to be a successful band because you can be the best band in the world Mm -hmm. but as we've seen more so i'll say in the hip-hop and you know pop realm like i'm thinking of uh like tlc they were one of the biggest fucking bands and went bankrupt twice went bankrupt twice because they They signed shit deals no didn't own anything and and la reed basically took them for a lot of what they worth and LaFace technically as a as a label was kind of shady but more so la reed was kind of the one that was perpetuating that but i mean like that's the thing like you you constantly see people growing up like in the early 90s and so forth who got taken advantage of and you hear stories of bands signing bad contracts because they just were like we're signing to a major label yeah but you're losing your publishing you're not getting you know your sun sunset clauses aren't in effect so you're not going to get the ability to potentially buy back your your masters and and get your publishing and own all your royalties and and all these things so it's like yeah you got that fat advance up front but the back end of it you're getting fucked down the road so it wasn't worth it and there's just a lot of that now where i feel like there's so much information out about how to be a successful business person 
And a lot of people in music now are a brand and are branding themselves and and their bands and so forth. And I think, you know, I just kind of was wondering, since it seems like without me knowing that you're very entrepreneurial minded. So I was kind of wondering, like, how much of any of these things has informed decisions and things moving forward in other realms and aspects of your various businesses that you do? Okay, well, okay, I think that it's funny that you bring that up because last night I was as Trisha, I'm quarantined with my business partner and with Gino <laughs> Leonardo from Filter. Okay. And so I'm partners with both of them because Gino and I write music together and when we have a project that we're working on and recording music for on a, you know, every night. And then I'm, you know, business partners in the candle business with his fiance. So this is the place I needed to be during this quarantine. So we're kind of keeping each other sane and we have a lot to do. But so Gino, you know, he, he's, been fucked over in the music industry and we we're just talking about how perhaps that could be what the podcast we do is about about teaching kids how to not get fucked over in the music industry because yeah a lot of people take advantage of things now that's one thing as far as numbers we are so crazy silly about numbers and you know we just had to <clears throat> mark our candles up 95 cents because but we had to do that because we decided that we were going to offer free shipping Right. And that takes a lot out of our profit margins. So, you know, here's an additional 95 cents that people are going to have to pay. But I mean, them not paying $7 or whatever for shipping or $6 or whatever for shipping. So we're just trying to, you know, yeah, we have to keep all of that in consideration. So yeah, sometimes our profit margins go down, sometimes they go up, but we're just great. And we're grateful that we're getting orders on a daily basis and that we're still working and people love the candles. Um, but it's, you know, how business is to ebb and flow. We're just doing our best. We're trying to stay during this whole process of the entire nation world shutting down. So, and you know, with my, with the book coming out next month, I hope that, I hope that people buy it and read it because it's a very inspirational and it's about, you know, it's called unfuck with a bull guide to inspired badassery. And I just want people to like, I don't know, I have hopes. I have high hopes for the world. <laughs> okay, I just I just cracked open the Dia uh, de los Deftones Mexican style lager with lime, and it's quite delightful. I'm gonna finally open this vanilla whipped uh, milkshake IPA from Southern Tier. Uh, oh my god, that sounds amazing! <laughs> vanilla whipped milkshake is all my favorite shit. <laughs> all right, let's see how this goes. I'm glad I had wow, a big holy, breakfast. Holy shit, that's really good. <laughs> Wow. I bet it is. It's got a little bit of that. Uh, it's got it's got a really vanilla front flavor on it. But if you've had any of the milkshake IPAs that are kind of becoming prominent right now in the the craft beer scene, okay, so it's kinda, yes. it's definitely got that like milkshake like lactose uh, back end flavor. So it's it's actually really well balanced for a for just a straight up like a, if you were to be like, hey, a vanilla beer, I'd be like, I, I don't know, but a vanilla whipped milkshake, it's like, all right, that you got me. So. It's it's kind of funny actually, I, I, and you don't know this. I uh I have a filter guitar pick from a show I went and saw a filter at many years ago. That I usually <laughs> it's kind of like I have a few things that I play with when I'm talking to people because I can't sit still. And so this filter guitar pick is one of them. And as you were kind of as we were just kind of talking about business and and band business and and knowing your business, I I can't help but think of the hired guns documentary. That whole scene mm-hmm. kind of with Richard Patrick uh, talking about how Trent was like, "This is my band. If you want to be the number one, start your own fucking band." And I can't remember the guy's name, but the bass player of Filter at the time 
being like, yeah, this shit was like the raw, de- like <laughs> I got the raw end of the stick here. Like that sucks. I'm getting paid mm-hmm. nothing. And it's not even like worth going on tour, which is fun, but I'm not even making any money. Like there are people in smaller bands making more money than me. And just kind of wondering, you know, I, I don't want to like get into the band business of filter, but just kind of, you know, with having Gino kind of been a part of filter as a wa- like as a whole, and you know, you being in cold with Scooter, who has been in the industry for a long time, what are some of the things maybe those two have kind of taught you about being in the industry uh, as long as they have been that maybe you haven't experienced? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was always in little bands, um, opening up for big bands, but I've just always, you know, since I was. 18 years old, I've always been in a band. So, and I'm 41 now, 40 wonderful. I can only say that for a couple more months. So, <laughs> but Gino, like Scooter and Gino have really taught me everything like about the big business because I was never in a band that is at the level of cold. And so Scooter has just like had my back and has been my big brother. And it's just like, I've always got your back and this is how we're going to do this. So I've just really been super blessed in the fact that I have people who are looking out for me and aren't going to fuck me over. And, um, I just worked really hard to teach. And I think that the music industry, while it has become a little bit more authentic, there's still people out there that want to just make money and fuck you over. Absolutely. (laughs) So, you know, you just have to be aware of it. There's nothing you can do to change it, but just be smart, sign contracts and make your point known. That's really the only thing that you can do. Right. Absolutely. So kind of changing gears a little bit, you know, you already talked about your book that you, since this quarantine has been kind of happening, you've been able to really get the finishing touches put on your book. What inspired you to write a book? What are some of the challenges that you uh, went through (laughs) in writing a book? Because sometimes I don't think, just like making a record, I I don't think people understand all of the things that happen to make a record where it's like, here's your money, now go make it. Okay, now we're going to do this. Hey, if someone's going, hey, I don't hear a single, go back, work on this, do these things. And then it's, uh, okay, now we're going to put it out. If you get it done, we need it done so we can put it out in this quarter at this time for these festivals and these tours. And, and you know, there's so much that goes into just making a record that I don't think people understand. Adversely, I don't think there's, I don't think people understand how much of that same kind of shit applies to make writing a book. So, what were some of the things you had to go through in writing this book that you were like, holy shit, I didn't know that this went into this? Well, all of it. Okay, so so I, you know, I've always wanted to write a book, and I, uh, but like actually sitting down and discipline, like being disciplined enough to be like, I'm not getting up until I have at least like a thousand words a day. I would do sometimes, sometimes 2000 words, but I would force myself and I was going through a breakup at the time. So when I started writing the book, I was in Indiana and I'd broken up with my boyfriend and like, I was already living in California, but had gone back to Indiana. And I was like, Hey dad, I need to, I need like a month. Let me move all my shit in with him. And I started writing it and this was like three years ago. So all this craziness was going on. And then I had, it wasn't quite finished. Then I had moved um, in with Sco- in the Scooter's house in Temecula, and I was still finishing it up then. So I was I had like my proposal together. I had the query letter, and I sent it to probably fifty agents. No shit, and everybody was like, "This book's great." But like here, the book is about the law of attraction, spirituality, um, getting what you want. But it's called Unfuckwithable, and so I'm. But I'm not saying 
it's, I mean, it's just literally unfuckwithable guide to inspired badassery. So all these people are like, it's got the F word in the title, blah, blah, blah. This is a great idea. The book is amazing, but we're just, we, we're not going to represent it. So finally, just the last couple months, I knew we were getting ready to go back out on tour. So I was just like, fuck shit. And so I was like, well, I'm going to have to pay for an editor. So I just went on this, Chris Brogan has this whole secret team thing on Facebook and I was like, hey, I'm looking for an editor. I mean, this all just happened literally two weeks before the quarantine. I found a publisher and she was like, fuck yeah, I love you. But she, I, she was like, send it to me. I want to read it. So she read it. And she called me back within 24 hours and was like, I'm absolutely publishing your book. Um, so conference call, assigned a deal. And I'm like, okay, well, we're, you're, so the whole plan was they were going to be shipped out to me. So she had sent it to her editor. So I would have been editing it on the bus, like going through the editor notes and doing like the changes because it, she's super cool. Her, her editor doesn't actually change it for you, but she'll go through and make notes. And so I can like check it off and do it. Or I can be like, fuck you. That's what I wanted to say. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so I'm literally, that's what I would have been doing on the bus because it was going to be shipped to me to whatever venue we were at when it was done. Um, cause I was going to sell them on tour. Um, so this is just gave me a little bit more extra time to actually do it and focus on it because it's so hard to do anything outside of like sleeping and fan stuff. You know how you're on a whole different schedule. Yeah. When you're on tour, it's like go to bed Day at sheets. 3 a.m., wake <laughs> up at noon, <laughs> then you uh, like you maybe take a little bit of a nap, then you've got meet and greet, then you've got a couple hours in between where you have dinner before you go on stage. So it's just like I'm glad that like, I feel a little blessed in that I get to do the book here now, and I've got 40 pages left. And just right before you and I got on the call, I told my publisher, I was like, you're going to have it probably tomorrow because I'm <laughs> going to be drinking beer this afternoon. <laughs> she was like, that's awesome. So, but, but so much goes into it and I'm an editor. So I have gone through this book so many times. So I haven't gotten so many notes from an editor, but when you write a book, dude, it's taken, it's been three years. I mean, I've been working on this thing for three years. I wanted it to be out in 2017, 2018. So it's just, it's a process. Do you envision maybe doing a completely different kind of a book or even maybe a follow-up eventually? Oh, Fuck yes. I do. I've got the next two books. <laughs> yeah, the next two books I already have. Like, I'm already have like the branding of them in my head, and I've talked to people about the branding. And yeah, okay. So, and I will just share this with you because I don't care. No one's going to steal this idea. But so I have Unfuck with a Bull, a Guide to Inspired Badassery. But like, so I have this huge um, passion in my heart for teenage bullying and like the kids that are bullied by teenagers and online media. So the next book that I write, the follow-up is going to be towards the kids. Other. Don't be a dickopotamus. <laughs> Which I just, <laughs> um, and I've already started a little bit of it, but I'm, it's like real talk. And because I'm in rock and roll and parents know who I am, I don't think that, I mean, I'm definitely going to not, it's a niche, a niche brand. I'm not going to be able to, you know, sell to the super conservative people, like, don't be a dickopotamus. Here's a book for your teenager. But I have a lot of people that will buy it for their kids who are, like, super dope. You know, like, hey, hey, yeah, don't be a dick. I, I definitely feel you on the, you know, as you were just kind of recounting the story of people being like, well, we're, we can't sell that book. It has a curse word in it. You know, I've I've definitely have run into a few people uh, who are like, I, I don't want anything to do with the show. And it's always kind of a bummer because I feel like if they actually were to take the time to, to listen to the show, I think they would realize 
it's actually not what they think it is. Um, one of my favorite compliments, uh, you know, was uh, Tommy Victor a prong. And, you know, initially, uh, and I felt like such a prick when he, when self-inflated ego, when he goes, oh, I checked out your show and I'm really nervous. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Cause like, I, you know, I've had a couple of really big guests on. So he's probably like, yo, like I'm really nervous to be on this show. And then he was like, and so I was like, oh, I mean, it's kind of crazy. You know, you've been doing this for almost 30 years and you're still nervous to do interviews. He goes, no, I just don't drink. And I go, oh, fuck. Uh, well, no, that's not the crux of the show. I mean, sort of is, but not really like in the interview. And then like, as we were all done with our quick, like 20 minute chat, like at the end, he was like, you know, I'm really glad I actually decided to do this. And, and, you know, it was really eye opening. and, you know, I, you know, you really know your shit and I'm really glad I, I didn't turn this down. Like I initially was going to, and I was just kind of like, I didn't keep all of that in. I only kind of kept in the last little part where he was like, oh, this is really cool. And I'm glad I did this or something like that. I kept that part in, but yeah. it was one of those things where I was like, okay, like, cool. I, I kind of, you know steered someone who thought that this wasn't going to be for them and turned it around. And, you know, I, I always love doing that where people maybe look at me and see a heavily tattooed person or whatever, but then it's like, Oh, you're actually pretty smart and can talk and form sentences and, and things like that. And I feel like so much of those kind of things and those unfortunate, uh, judgments kind of get put upon a lot of people Mm -hmm. and so some people might look at the book title and go oh no thank you i that's probably not for me but won't even take the time to start for them but at the same time i always i I don't even worry about it it's not even for them it's like i think your podcast is dope as fuck i was listening to it (laughs) like multiple episodes and i was like i can't wait i was super excited yeah a little nervous but then you know i had a little beer and here i am (laughs) <laughs> I think the thing for me is that I, I just kind of when when people aren't willing to give things an opportunity like like I was kind of saying so like you know I've I come from like mm, I said, yeah. food and retail management and you know I used to have people who you know I'd go to help my front end deal with credit card applications and I'd have people grab their purses from me uh, I had customer complaints almost daily about my looks and I wasn't even as tattooed as I am now. And, you know, it just kind of bummed me out. Like I had someone as I'm helping ring people up and someone goes, do you have parents? And I go, yeah, I have parents. And they go, well, you must not have parents who care because parents who care don't let their children look grow up to look like you. And I was just kind of like, okay, like, and (laughs) I've had a lot of those kind of experiences, which is why I think I'm a, a little bit more patient and get a little bit more bummed out when people don't take the time and i understand like i said like we're in a a world now where people don't take the time to do fucking anything but the fact that you know people are so quick to judge things and it's like man you you could be missing out on so much cool shit because you are so quick to judge and i feel like you know you for me i know that putting out a book is not something that just you do real fucking quickly it's a process especially if someone's going to put it out it's a process and it has to be vetted it has to go through a lot of rigorous things to make sure it is the best that it could be and to me if people are like oh no the title can't get past it it's like man that's such a bummer because like someone who in that world or that realm that maybe that those people could expose your book to maybe they're the ones who really need it and like that's the kind of thing that fucking bums me out like about shit like that well one of the reasons why i titled it the way that i titled it okay because those aren't the people that i'm trying to reach okay it's called unfuck with a bull guide to inspired badassery because it teaches the whole law of attraction aspects to people who won't pick up let's say a wayne dyer eckhart tolle gabrielle bernstein so you know they have their audience 
But my audience is the rock and rollers. It's the tattooed people. It's the people who like feel like they're misfits in their own way. So, but then they're going to get something from, okay, here's this tattooed, um, you know, rock girl that plays bass in this great band. So it's a different voice. So I'm teaching the same things. So, you know, fuck them. They've got other stuff that they can get, but I'm reaching, I'm, my audience is are the misfits and the people who wouldn't typically pick up those other kind of books. So I don't know. I just know that like I'm a very like universe person. Like I know that the universe has my back and it is what it is. And when I wrote it, it was completely through, you know, a spiritual um, writing. Cause I look at it and I'm like, I don't, I don't, how did, the fuck did I write this book that's 200 and you know, 80 some pages long <laughs> for one when I was just like, Oh, Oh, I just hope I can long enough to have it published. And then, you know, my editor was like, or my publisher was like, this book is so fucking long. <laughs> it's like bigger than any <laughs> other self-help book. And I was like, what? I was like, do we need to take anything out? And she was like, girl, no, this is your story. And it's so good. <laughs> so I was like, okay. But yeah, I, I mean, it's just all, it kind of all came out at once. And yeah, so I've been fine tuning it since it all came out. But yeah, that's not my audience. Those people can go eat a dick. Because if they're going to judge, whatever. See, I guess it's My hard. audience are the people that need it. I guess it's hard for me because I used to do... I don't fancy myself a writer, but I know I enjoy writing, but I'm very hard on myself when I write. I, I just don't know. Like It's always something like writing is something I've always wanted to do, and I enjoy doing, but I'm so self-conscious about it that it fucking... To write, sit down and write a book, like a five, four hundred page, like 400-page book... <sighs> No, thank you. <laughs> I'd probably kill myself. It's daunting. No, it's daunting. But it, it just it depends on the place that you come from. I just didn't give a fuck. And I don't give a fuck in a lot of... I mean, I do. Like, There's a very fine balance of like, oh, giving a fuck and not giving a fuck. You, but you, like, when you write, like you were saying, you want your, it's your experience. You just have to give your experience because it doesn't matter what other people think about it. But also craft it. So it's like... Not everything is going to be a winner. Not everything is going to be perfect. But if you kind of sit back and like, okay, I wrote all this out and I'm now I'm going to craft around things. I'm going to delete things. I'm going to add to things. So, you know, writing is just writing. You have this feeling and you just put it out there. It's like same with writing songs. I feel like, um, speaking of, I feel like it's like with Scooter songwriting, everything changes. So one idea might be this. But then he pulls back and he's like, no, I think that this can be better. And that's where the things we can't stop came from. Because we weren't even going to call it the things we can't stop. And, and like Snowblind, the lyrics changed three times. But that's like, that's what's like, you sit back, you write something out, then you take your time with it, change it, do whatever. That's what, that's what writing is, whether it's songs or articles or books. Absolutely. So, or sometimes it just comes to you and it's fucking brilliant straight on point blank and it happens like that sometimes it doesn't well i uh i think this is as kind of as good as any spot to end right now um i would love to kind of maybe when the book's officially done and out maybe have you kind of come back on after it's been out for a little bit and maybe oh, talk oh, a little yeah. bit more about that and uh you know, I, I know the tour was supposed to come through uh, Machine Shop, I believe, in Flint. And so I think it was on a yeah. Saturday, too. So I was kind of looking forward to trying to go to that. But uh, right now, no fucking concerts at all, which sucks. Um, I know. I know. Well, but we love the Machine Shop. And yeah, see, it sucks for me, too, because we were going to end our sh our whole tour in the Midwest. And I was going to be with my daughter for all of June. 
And then, so we went back on our summer tour. So every year, good, we'll be back to the machine shop. And I'm just hoping like everything is just postponed and we can be out by September or October, like that we can kind of get back by fall. You know what I mean? Because we're all, we're all just like, you know, it's affecting everybody. Yeah, usually there's there's some show that uh, I go to around my birthday in September, at the end of September, and at the, as of right now, I, I have pretty much nothing <laughs> to really look forward yeah. to. Like we're going to Atlanta tentatively uh, at the end of August, but if yeah. everything's still closed, like the whole reason we're going for that is to go see Deftones and uh, Poppy and I forget the other band that actually are out with them um, off the top of my head, but it's uh it's. It's one of those where it's like, okay, like, I want to go to that. And now I'm like hoping and praying that that tour doesn't get canceled. So I'm not like, cool, I just spent all this money to go to Atlanta and there's literally nothing I can do. That sucks. It's funny you mentioned Poppy because my buddy Matt McJunkins is playing bass for Poppy right now. Oh, and he man, played in Perfect so Circle and the Beta Machine. So anyway, I like, I recorded the entire album, all the things we can't stop with Matt McJunkins' picks. Mm. <laughs> Engaged in me because I'm like such a huge nerdy fan of his. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's you know, Poppy. It all just comes around. The music industry is like such a small little group, but that Poppy record's but, really great, and I actually really enjoyed that. Uh, she's, right, she's so good, and I never even heard of her until Matt started playing with her. So that's the whole thing. Yeah, like she's amazing. No, that's like it was funny. I saw uh, Vince from Metal Metal Sucks on Twitter today. It was like. Man, I know like it's not my technically my lane, but this new Dua Lipa record's really fucking great. And I was like, dude, it's so good. Like, I wish I had an avenue to really like talk about it and gush about it because it's a really fucking great pop record. Uh, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, like, I just don't really have an avenue to talk about Dua Lipa and how I think she's really good. But well, you do. You can pull her in and bring a whole new like people into your podcast world. <laughs> so I have a little buzz. <laughs> Thanks for getting me afternoon buzz with some beer. <laughs> <laughs> Where can everyone find you and or the band online? Well, definitely um, Cold Music is our Instagram, uh, the Cold Army, Cold on Facebook, coldarmy.com is everything for Cold. And then I'm Lindsay Manfredi. Everything is basically just Lindsay Manfredi for all my handles. And the candle is eqxshop.com anyone wants to check that out but definitely make sure you're checking out the quiet now video uh we're gonna it's gonna start on radio this week and we just need as much support as possible and keep supporting the breaking benjamin far away thing and yeah just check it all out because we're gonna be back out and we're looking forward to seeing everyone and thank you so much for letting me be a part of your podcast no, I had a lot of fun talking to you. <laughs> absolutely, same, very much the same. And uh, hopefully, either whether it is the book coming out or, God forbid, this thing ends very quickly uh, as we're recording, uh, maybe we'll actually catch you at a show and we can maybe do one of these in person as well. Because um, those are absolutely always more fun. Absolutely, we will, for sure. Awesome. Well, enjoy the rest of your day and look forward to uh, seeing you guys hopefully soon. Yeah, you too, John. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. Bye. So that was my conversation with Lindsay Manfredi of Cold. And, uh, you know, you're going to notice Dan's audio sounds a lot better right now. And uh, that's because Dan was Dan and I just started shooting the shit and had such a good time and got his real honest reactions. He forgot to hit record. (laughs) 
<laughs> I did. Absolutely forgot to hit the record button. So uh, that's a my bad. You know, I, I've become such a prolific podcaster uh, in, in, in the recent year that I, I've forgotten that, you know, I actually have to be responsible for things. And I'm not just here just to be a delight to everyone. You know, I do think sometimes, and you have said this quite a bit, you know, one of the things that, you know, you're not always on a lot of these interviews, and that's not by design, despite what some people might think. It's just because you're fucking busy and we live in different time zones. And a lot of times I have to do these at very weird hours of the day. And it's uh, one of those things, though, that, as you have said, you get to hear these before anybody else. So sometimes, like, you'll, you know, especially with this one, as you kind of said in the intro, and I didn't come right out and say this, but I think if you listen to it, obviously you understand. Uh, Dan probably isn't the biggest cold fan that there ever is or was or ever will be. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't hate him. Uh, if I hated him, I would tell you. You know I would. Absolutely. But it's one of those things where the fact that you enjoyed this conversation as much as you did, uh, I, I really hope... If I'm able to turn someone who's not the biggest fan of this band and you were thoroughly entertained by almost an hour-long conversation, that I hope people who are a part of the Cold Army who this band means so much to, I hope that they feel the same way. And I feel like you're kind of my 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 barometer for how good these episodes are before we even release them. Yeah, I mean, it, this is definitely engaging for me because, like, I'm not going to lie. As soon as I saw that it was like a 40-minute interview with somebody from Cold, I was like, well, it's a good thing I'm at work because I can't get away. Um, so I have to just listen to it. Uh, this is this is my life now. But uh, when I but I popped on and I, and I found myself pretty pleasantly surprised overall that I actually, like, cared. Like, and you, you knew that I actually cared because while I was listening to it my boss came up to me and started talking to me and i was like i can't hear anything you're saying because i've got earbuds in and then i actually paused it waited for him to say what he wanted to say and then resumed afterwards whereas if i was not having a good time i would have just pulled the earbuds out let the let the interview run and then you know jump back in at the end of it but like i uh in that particular case i was like no i, I want to hear this i want to hear you know um, what she's got going on, uh, with her side businesses and stuff, um, with somebody that it, it sounds, it sounds like we may have found our first guest that's as busy as I am. Um, in the sense that like, she's got, she's got her main thing, which is cold. And then she's got like 400 side hustles going on at the same time. Absolutely. And you know, you know, Dan has, we'll call it two podcasts, but really discography discussion has the umbrella of like five other podcasts under it at this point. Pretty much. I mean, Movie Mosh is kind of on hold until uh, we don't have to uh, be in quarantine anymore. But yeah, that, that'll be back. But it's one of those things where, you know, Dan jokes or used to joke that I'm one of the busier people he knows because I'm always either sending out emails, working on a podcast, like, but it's all singularly driven to this one thing. You know, I'm not really doing a bunch of other things. It's uh, It's one of those that, like, getting to talk to someone who wants more out of life wants to kind of weave creative yarns and stuff like that you know like Lindsay does between making the the candles and i mean if you follow her on instagram like constantly she and her partners and are making these candles handmade making these candles in their kitchens and so forth and i mean it's a wild process uh when this whole kind of thing blows over uh i definitely plan on buying a couple candles and maybe i'll buy dan one too so we can uh you know have seductive uh seances over podcast recordings well they are they are 50 percent made by a witch that was confirmed so is there really a better candle uh you know it'll probably burn longer probably will absolutely 
<laughs> but it's uh, one of those things. The book definitely has me intrigued. I really, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and ask for a free book because I know how much goes into the, the printing process and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but what I will say is I hope that uh, before the book officially comes out, maybe we get a PDF from Lindsay uh, so Dan and I can, can take uh, our turns reading it and uh, have her back on to talk more about the book because... Yeah, uh, I would love to go into some of the finer points uh, on the book and, and things like that, just definitely, for sure. Yeah, the one other time I've actually talked to someone who had a book, which was, uh, we both talked to him actually, was uh, Jared Montague of Taproot uh, about his book. I mean, it's reading is interesting, uh, just like music and all that kind of stuff, your comprehension. You and I can read the exact same thing and we'll have completely different ideas of what those things look like. The fact that you and I can talk to someone about what they wrote and really kind of dig deep into it from two different possibly two different perspectives is really intriguing and i i'm looking forward to uh checking out unfuck with a bull a guide to inspired badassery um the fact that you know she stuck by her guns uh you know and made this happen when other people were like hey change the title change this uh as we kind of joked in the intro uh we (laughs) we have gone through that quite a bit on this show uh so if there's a show that understands what it's like to be overlooked based on a name and not the content contained within it's definitely us um I think, uh, you know, that's kind of the fun thing about doing this podcast sometimes is you get to meet really inspiring people. And, you know, I didn't know much about Lindsay leading up to our, our conversation, but um, she's definitely is someone that I feel inspired by. I want to keep around uh, and will want to keep like, you know, it's I have her phone number. And a lot of times I want to text her and just be like, yo, so like I'm doing this thing or like, you know, I sent her some writing samples that I had done because I was like inspired by something I did that I was proud of in a completely different facet than what a lot of people know me for. And it's kind of actually in, in since this conversation, I've almost kind of wanted to take on a couple writing projects, which I know I'll immediately hate myself for because I'm so self-critical about what I write. And it becomes a thing of like spending eight hours over a you know, review of something like an album review that people will read and takes like five minutes or less to read. I'll spend like 10 hours on and have 19 different versions of it. And yeah, finally I'll just be like, dude, fuck whoever reads this, fuck them. This is how I feel. And then I just settle on something. And then as soon as I'm done, I send it to like seven friends that I know are on the West coast. And I'm like, Hey, does this suck? Is there anything that needs to get taken out? And they're like, uh, yeah, take out this or explain this a little bit more. And then I change that, send it back. And they're like, okay, yeah, it's cool. I, it makes sense to me. And I'm like, cool. Well, I'm done. Cause I fucking hate this i hate this process i hate this. no i hate it yeah and it's one of those that it's like i love the creative process of writing and it it is fucking wild to you know like i did a feature on my friends in wilson and to to see where that thing started to where it it ended and and how well i think i did with it and all that kind of shit and the praise that it's gotten from them and friends that know them and all that kind of stuff it's wild but man let me tell you that like week and a half two weeks i spent writing that fucking thing I wanted to murder them. I wanted to murder myself. I fucking hated myself for even taking on such a big responsibility. It's not fun. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Writing. Go I, do uh, it. <laughs> I don't ever show anybody my writing. I, You know, I've been guilty of writing CD reviews before, but I would just like everybody to forget that that happened. <laughs> and uh, and us just kind of go from there because I just don't ever want anybody to be all like wow that guy's a way better speaker than writer it's like he it's like he's just completely off the cuff all the time because <laughs> i am speaking of off the cuff uh let's go ahead and end this episode uh if you would like to keep up with cold it's simple facebook cold instagram cold music and twitter at cold you can find everything cold related at coldarmy.com if you would like to keep up with Lindsay, real easy 
Instagram, Twitter, Lindsey Manfredi. Uh, it's all right there. And Dan will tell you where he can be found easy enough on the ins- on the interwebs. Well, I think you were going to say Instagram, but and I can be found there under discography discussion. I can also be found on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan. I can be found on Facebook under Plain Old Daniel Terry, all lowercase, all one word. I'm making that up. Just search for Daniel Terry. You'll probably find me. If you don't, reach out to a different Daniel Terry. Um, you can always uh, send me a email, old-fashioned like, at discussmetaldan at gmail.com. And uh, you can find out about my other 19,000 podcasts at discussmetal.com. And if you would like to keep up with only this podcast, it's simple enough, at Bruce Speak Pod, Facebook, <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> 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 Love it. Yes. <laughs> All right. Got that out of my system. <sighs> it's simple enough. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we've been doing a lot of Instagram live things. You can find those videos over on YouTube. Uh, another great avenue to check out what we do on the podcast. There are videos where they apply uh, to some of the impersons that we've done. Uh, the Instagram videos, if I can get them up on there, you will see those over there because I think they're a fun, different avenue. They're a lot more looser than the interviews we do here. Uh, and you can see us uh, if that's in something you're into, uh, me and the person that I'm talking to. And uh, something else you might be into, our sponsors. We always love our sponsors for supporting us. Uh, There are a lot of costs associated with doing a podcast week in and week out, upgrading gear, website hosting, all that kind of stuff. Uh, So we are proud of our sponsors, and we want to thank them. And so we want to start with The Bean Bastard. Head on over to TheBeanBastard.com. Get you some delicious coffee. I'm not even that big of a coffee drinker, and I love every fucking thing that this company has made that I have bought, and I pretty much have bought every single thing that they have made uh, in some iteration or other. I'm, you know, been burning their candles they make. I have the bourbon barrel-aged coffee soy candle. That thing smells fucking delicious. My dog, I have a puppy. My puppy shit in this office, and I had to burn that candle, and within probably 30 minutes, you couldn't even tell that a dog just doo-dooed all over my carpet in here. Uh, after cleaning it up so that's probably not the ad that they want for that but like they have quality products uh like i said (laughs) i'm not the biggest coffee drinker but i love everything they have their uh, new sproton pack uh blend that they have is really delicious uh head on over to thebeanbastard.com get you some coffee facebook and instagram at the bean bastard head on over to on point palmade i know we're all in a pandemic your hair your beard might not be looking the best maybe it's a little bit harder to keep it on point but you know they're a great company and they do the best they can and when you're able to go get your hair cut and when you're able to kind of keep your beard trimmed and all that kind of stuff these are products you want to use to make your shit look good and on point that's why it's in the name let's go to on point pomade use our code bsp15 get 15 percent off your total purchase order let them know that we are supporting them for supporting us and in the process, you save some money. So what's not to love about that? Also want to give a shout out to the guys in Martyr for Madison for sponsoring this episode as well. Head on over to their Facebook page at Martyr for Madison. Go pre-save their nearsighted EP. Go to DistroKid. Has all the links or whatever you listen to your music on. Uh, I'm sure they would greatly appreciate it. Again, nearsighted comes out May 8th. So just around the corner if you like that snippet of the song you heard in the beginning of the episode. And we also want to thank the people over at Bespoke Post. Um... 
Dan got an awesome box of barware, basically, that they sent out to him to, to try out, you know, basically their box of awesome, as they call it. Uh, this month, they got the juleps, uh, a box that basically will give you everything you need to make some of the best juleps ever. If you're a fan of the Kentucky Derby or just the drinking aspect of it, uh, I would highly recommend getting that. They have some really quality-looking stuff uh, that I think I might actually pick up. Uh, but it's not just drinking stuff. They also have really cool outerwear, like there's a really sweet uh, shell jacket that looks pretty fucking sweet um you know they have little things for like gatherings beard oils uh overnight bags little things on how to make uh planters you know just a lot of cool stuff so if you're adventurous and like trying all kinds of different stuff head on over to bespokepost.com go get hooked up with your first box Lastly, but not leastly, is Rockabilia.com. Go over there, support them. They have over 500,000 items in their online store. I mean, Jesus Christ, that's half a million items in their store. If there is not something that you are into that is available on their site, I will be shocked. Then you're dead. I, probably. You're dead. You, you, you gotta like something on there. Absolutely. Not only do they have the, not only do they have bands that you love from all kinds of genres and styles, but they have pop culture, horror movie, just so many different things. Uh, I'm looking at the website right now. They have a handful of cold items. They have some of the old stuff from like, they have like kind of like a, a uh, one of the shirts, I think it's actually from the Red Album. Uh, maybe it might have been from 13 Ways to Bleed on stage, but it's it's definitely an old school design. They have a, uh, a cool uh, long sleeve with just the spider on it, you know, the classic spider logo. I mean... They have something. If there is a band you like, go search it. They have everything from A to Z. There's something you're going to like. And if you're a first-time user, you'll see an ad pop up. You get 10% off your first purchase with them. And you don't have to worry about the quality of their products because you know it's it's all legit. I mean, they actually are licensed apparel from the band. So you know the bands are actually getting a cut of the money as well. So you're doing good. You're doing good by the bands you like. You're doing good by Rockabilia.com. And you're doing good by us. So support them for supporting us. And we just want to thank all our sponsors for, for supporting us, especially in the, these trying times right now. So for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. And we'll talk to you all next time.